This episode of the Busted Wide Open podcast is brought to you by Blueberry. Blueberry offers the best media hosting, accurate listening stats, and their all-new PowerPress Deluxe Sites, a no-setup WordPress website for your podcast with all the necessary links to share your show with the world built right in. If you currently produce a podcast and are looking for a better host, or if you're looking to start a new one from scratch, head over to orbitaljigsaw.com slash BWO and sign up for the best media hosting and a PowerPress Deluxe site to get your first month absolutely free. That's orbitaljigsaw.com slash BWO or just use the promo code BWO at checkout for your first month absolutely free. And now, enjoy the show. Hi, this is Nick. And this is Andy. And we host The Concession Stand, a podcast from two guys who work in the TV and movie business right here in Los Angeles. And you're listening to Busted Wide Open on the Orbital Jigsaw Network. You're listening to the Busted Wide Open Podcast. Dropping the elbow on the hottest topics in sports entertainment and the world of professional wrestling. With your hosts, Nick Howell and Sir Ian Dangerous. Coming to you from the Orbital Jigsaw Network Arena in sunny Southern California. Welcome back to the Busted Wide Open Podcast, but if you're joining us for the first time, I'd like to welcome you to episode number 54. I'm Nick Howell. And sitting at the top of my own personal top 10 list, I am Sir Ian Dangerous. Welcome to the show. Thank you for joining us. If you are just joining us for the first time, just so you know, we do have our own Facebook group. We have the Busted Wide Open Podcast. Facebook discussion group. Please come and join us on that. We talk about a lot of fun stuff. We post memes to make each other laugh. We discuss all the hottest topics in pro wrestling and sports entertainment that's going on uh, at the current time, and we would love to have you join us. Absolutely, and come follow us on Twitter at BWO Podcast. Hang out. Do the same thing over there. We do watch some of the live shows and live tweets, some of that stuff every now and then, so join in the conversation with us. But Ian, there was a lot of <clears throat> momentum this week. Ah, uh, yes. The, the new favorite word of WWE, momentum. Every, I'll give you, you listeners a challenge. Uh, new drinking game, Ian. Do a shot every time one of no, the no, WWE no, no, no. commentators says momentum. No, we're not trying to kill people here, Nick. <laughs> Come on. I don't want to be responsible for anyone going to the hospital for alcohol poisoning. Now, this week we had the go-home show. Raw had their go-home show for the Elimination Chamber pay-per-view, which is coming up this coming Sunday, uh, also known as No Escape. Uh, for, if you're in Germany, uh, they don't call it Elimination Chamber because, uh, yeah, I might, might, might not want to reference Elimination Chambers in Germany. Right. So I understand why they call it No Escape. Uh, but so, yeah, that happened on Raw this week, and it was a very unique show this week. We had a very, uh, I've, I can't recall ever seeing a Raw uh, that was booked like this before. We had most of the show taken up by one Huge record-setting match. Absolutely, and I can't wait to talk about that one. Uh, there were some surprise eliminations, actually, that came through this. I was not uh, expecting some of the things that happened during this gauntlet match, and it gave me some pause in my predictions for what could go down in the men's elimination chamber uh-huh. match. Yeah, it, it definitely uh, gives us lots of things to talk about on Raw this week. Uh, over on SmackDown, we've got to talk about what a rut that show is in. Um, poor SmackDown. Something's going wrong over there. We will talk about that, and a lot else happened this week as well. But first, we got to go talk about the big news. Against all odds, 
against everything that is known to wrestling fans around the world, somehow Jeff Jarrett is going to be inducted into the WWE Hall of Fame this year. Class of 2018. Yeah, this is definitely about as left field as you could possibly get. This is I've you know, never done a bigger what? Yeah, well, <laughs> you know, they say never say never in the WWE as far as mending their bridges. Uh, you know, this was one I certainly would not have predicted and could not have seen coming given the history uh, the acrimonious history between Jarrett and the WWE and Vince McMahon and et cetera, et cetera. You know, the, the legendary apocryphal stories of of Jarrett holding out for money and holding the Intercontinental title hostage. Uh, there was the one pay-per-view where he uh, he was supposed to to lose the Intercontinental title to China back in 98, I believe. And uh, he said that unless Vince gave him $300,000, he wouldn't do the job. <laughs> And uh, yeah, as, as you can imagine, that was close to when he was on his way out to WCW. So right. uh, after that, and then, of course, him going off and being one of the, the major figures in TNA uh, and being the major competition to WWE in the two, early 2000s, this is beyond shocking that he's back. And he's had a very troubled last few years as well over there with Impact and Anthem and TNA and all the crazy stuff that's gone on there. Um, as far as how this happened... Well, one thing that we do know is that Vince has a long history of mending fences that no one thought could ever be mended. And, you know, for Ultimate Warrior, for example, and so, and, you know, so forth. Uh, throw, throw Kurt Angle in there, too. Kurt Angle, a, you know. sure. Yeah. No one ever thought he'd be back. Uh, but this is definitely probably one of the bigger, like, holy crap ones I could think of is, is Jeff Jarrett being welcomed back to the WWE. Uh, it, it makes you speculate like once he if he comes to the Hall of Fame is just just a one time acknowledgement and then we move on. Will he be involved somehow in creative or backstage somehow at WWE? I mean, how much is he going to be brought back into the fold, if you will? I'm waiting for the Jeff Jarrett versus Elias guitar match. Okay, I think you're getting one much. You're getting one step ahead of yourself here. Oh, okay. I think, man. Uh <laughs> No, this is interesting. I mean, we have to speculate on how this worked out. I mean, we know there's a lot of ex-TNA guys in WWE right now between Kurt Angle and Samoa Joe and Bobby Roode, uh, along with you know tons of other guys now that have, have come over from TNA. You have to wonder how much of backstage politics and some of these guys talking to Vince and talking to people backstage, how much that softened the stance. Um, they just brought EC3 over and they kept his name, which of course is, is Ethan, Ethan Carter III, which is a kayfabe name because he was supposed to be like the stepson or the stun, son of, uh, of uh, Dixie Carter right. in kayfabe. So I, I wonder how much they'll, if they're going to reference that in kayfabe or just he's EC3 and we won't talk about it. Uh, it was interesting to note that in their official announcement of Jeff Jarrett to be in the Hall of Fame, they'd never said TNA or Impact. They didn't really specifically say what he went and did. They just said when he left WWE, he went and created opportunities for superstars in other places. Nice agnostic way to say it. Yeah, yes, nice subtle way of saying it without actually saying any names, right. uh, which is interesting because they they do they have started to say stuff, stuff like New Japan recently, like not explicitly New Japan, but they'll say well, in they're Japan. They're talking about AJ or Finn or somebody sure. referencing him. Yeah. They've softened way up from how they used to be where if someone came into the company, they came from out of nowhere and they would never reference their history, which from a business standpoint, I always thought was a really silly way of running things because look now when you can bring someone in from, you know, from being a big star elsewhere and you reference that and it makes people who don't necessarily know them 
ha- feel like they have more of a presence because oh wow they really they were a big star somewhere else that's really cool was AJ the turning point on that you think um, two or three years ago when it, when he was coming over it, w- that was definitely I think the most like high profile one where they where they let people keep their history yeah you know what I mean and they and they would acknowledge it uh, I I can't mm, I. Th- off the top of my head, I can't think of anyone before that that really came in. I know in NXT the culture definitely changed around that time too, where Sami Zayn was supposed to was forced to come in and give up everything in his past. But when Kevin Owens came in, they definitely referenced the fact that he'd been around for a long time, yeah. And he kept most of the character that he was in the Indies. So it's between those like that spot within the last three or four years that they seem to have turned the corner on that. Well, I am certainly anxious to see what happens with Jeff Jarrett beyond just being inducted. I can't believe that that's the only thing i'm sure there will be some exciting after mania shenanigans that go down on the raw the raw after wrestlemania is always a special one where they bring the the inductees back out onto the stage i'd be curious to see if they do anything with jeff and i and i wonder i mean i think it's appropriate to not have him be the headliner of the hall of fame which is goldberg this year that's definitely an appropriate place to put him and alongside ivory and the female side absolutely yeah you know and I i think that as far as jared is concerned like i said he has had issues in the last few years they probably I, I would guess are going to kind of keep him at a remove and see how he does. Uh, you know, there I, I made the joke on our on our Facebook page. Oh, who's going to induct him? Jack Daniels. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I think that's definitely his his problems with inebriation over the last little bit has you know it it soured everything with him and an impact. He got kicked out of there for that kind of stuff. So uh, they'll probably have to check and see if he's if he's okay and and you know if he's able to work functionally or if it's just going to be a Hall of Fame high J high, high double J get out. Well, we speculated last week that we thought that du- dual branded pay per views were going to be a thing that came back, starting potentially with Backlash. They had they had basically changed the the promotion of Backlash from hey this is a Raw branded pay per view to this is Raw and SmackDown. Now they started to promote uh, for the people who were buying tickets that it was a dual branded pay per view. And so people started speculating whether or not they were going to do that for all their pay-per-views. Well, this week we have it confirmed. All the pay-per-views in the new year post-WrestleMania will be dual branded pay-per-views. Now, we talked a little bit last week about whether that's good or bad. Uh, I personally think that it's it's better in terms of building the stories on the individual shows because you're, ha- you're going to have payoffs more often. The downside is there's going to be a lot of people who don't get as many opportunities because you have only so much space to fill on these pay-per-views from each brand. So you're going to have less matches uh, from each brand, from each brand, and therefore less people getting uh, getting programs. Well, I think a lot of this comes off the back of Survivor Series and the the crossover promotion we had between the Monday and Tuesday shows, and it, having them visible. There was a lot of great stuff that went down between those things, but, having them cross over like that. But Nick, I, I can't believe you've forgotten already the tagline of that uh, that pay per view. The only time that Raw and SmackDown. Uh, superstars compete in the ring together. <laughs> I, I I wonder if they'll keep that. I think I think they probably will. Uh, if if looking back to history and how they've done these sort of dual pay per views uh, before is any indication, and that is that you will have a match between two SmackDown people or whatever you know multi man multi match or whatever. Uh, you'll have a, a SmackDown match specifically for SmackDown, a Raw match specifically for Raw, and very rarely, if at if ever, you'll have cross brand matches because obviously they, they wouldn't be able to build those cross brand right uh except for survivor series and, the, and that's the you know the special 
uh, tag about Survivor Series, kind of like you have TLCs, tables, ladders, and chairs. Well, Survivor Series is when Raw and SmackDown go head to head in direct competition, right? I, I, we were browbeaten with it. Yes. Yes. That's that's so. That's my theory is that this will just be there'll be pay per views and we'll see feuds come to a head from both brands individually in, in separate matches. Uh, there's tons of pros and cons you can go back and forth on either way with this, in my opinion. It's uh, like you were laying out. It's great to build those individual storylines, but there's there is part of me that pines for the the belts changing the sides a little bit. And and now that they've got the Universal Championship, it's almost established that each side has their own set of belts. But I I don't know. There's some there's part of me that wants to see the U.S. title go to Raw. Maybe the Intercontinental come to SmackDown. That's but that's a superstar shakeup issue, and that's and that's you have another superstar shakeup. You don't make all your your pay per views dual branded. So the Intercontinental Championship's never going to be on SmackDown. Well, ever it again. could be if they have a shakeup and it, and the champion gets taken over to SmackDown, or they work, or it happens one time. You know what I mean? Like the possibility, I suppose. But at the end of the day, this is another place where they could, unfortunately, uh, if history is any indication, show us more demonstrably that Raw is the primary brand, SmackDown is the secondary. Have the Raw championship match always going on last like they used to do. Like whereas Most of the time, if you had a pay-per-view and it was a dual brand pay-per-view, you had the SmackDown championship and then you had the Raw championship at yep. the end of the show. So I, I personally... If if you were put gun to my head, tell me if, and I'll tell you if it's a good idea or not. I think it's not a good idea, but wait and see. And uh, obviously, we're gonna we're gonna have a whole year of this stuff coming up, so we'll see. We'll see. Well, hey, that's all the big news for this week. Let's head over and talk about what went down on Monday Night Raw. So this week on Monday Night Raw, most of the show was taken up by the gauntlet match. And this was something that I thought was absolutely insane to do before a big pay-per-view was give us essentially a pay-per-view quality match, or at least in terms of uh, uh, the size and the, uh, the amount of time spent on it. It felt like a huge deal. And it was the seven guys who were going to be in the Elimination Chamber match uh, facing off in a gauntlet. So one comes out and then has and then the two guys, first two guys fight, Survivor fights the next guy, Survivor fights the next guy, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. This set all kinds of records uh, for time because you have not only did the match itself go on for over two hours, which is uh, shattered every record for how long a match has been on Raw, and it's definitely one of the longest matches ever in WWE. They wouldn't go so far as to officially say it was the longest match in WWE history, but means that they're having to scour their history books to find one that's longer. So that should tell you where its place in history is. Uh, in addition, we had some record-breaking performance in this, performances in this match. Seth Rollins, who opened the match with Roman Reigns, the two of them started the match. Seth Rollins, not only did he go for, uh, God, 35 minutes just with Roman Reigns, but then he beat Roman Reigns clean, and out comes John Cena, and then John Cena and Seth go for another 30 minutes, and then he beats Cena clean, which was insane. To have Seth Rollins beat Roman Reigns and John Cena back-to-back, we'll get back to that. Yes. But he went on for a little while. Elias came out then, and by this point, of course, Seth has... At this point, Seth has gone as long as anyone has ever gone in a match in the company. Uh, and Elias pretty much made quick work of him. But his total time, Seth's total time in this match was an hour and five minutes, 65 minutes he was in this match. And that is, I think, that sets the record for the longest time a superstar has been in a single match in WWE. 
uh, Rey Mysterio on Raw had, or all of WWE? I think all of WWE because wow. you think about it, Ray held the record in the Royal Rumble at an hour and three minutes. Cena and Shawn Michaels did 55 minutes and 49 seconds in London on uh, in 2007, uh, April 23rd. Uh, and then, of course, you've got the the Iron Man match between uh, Shawn Michaels and Bret Hart. Oh, that's a legend, yeah. Right. Uh, so you've we've had pretty much every Iron Man match that goes sure. 60 minutes, right? But uh, and then a Triple H and Ben Benoit uh, was the longest match on Raw history, and that was a 60 minute match on the on July 26, 2004. Obviously, they're not going to mention that because we can't say the word Benoit. Right. Uh, but yeah, this is that. That's an incredible performance. Uh, you got to go outside the WWE to find anything even close to how much time he spent in this. I think the Guinness World Record is something like twelve hours or something like like for the longest match ever. I know that uh, Chris Hero, aka Cassius Ono, uh, one time did seventeen matches in a row and was like three hours and twenty seven minutes. Good God! Uh, that he was for like for charity, I believe. Okay, uh, I have to check my my notes on that. But bottom line, Seth Rollins gave a historic performance tonight not only in length but in terms of who he beat well i want to draw back to what you said earlier with him going over reigns and cena in essentially the same match i guess we could back call to it. back i mean he beat cena after having to do 35 minutes with the golden boy roman reigns so that right there is significant as well So these are the top two guys that are expected to go face brock lesnar we everybody knows thinks that it's going to be roman reigns and lesnar 98 percent you yeah. ask anybody. Myself right? included, yeah. Yourself included. I happen to think it's going to be Cena. But at the same time, these are the top two guys that potentially need to win Elimination Chamber yeah. to go face Brock Lesnar at WrestleMania. And they're the first two to go out by none other than Seth freaking Rollins. Yeah, and it's it says what they think of Seth that, I mean, they haven't really done a lot with Seth. He's been in a tag team for a long time. He's been kind of spinning his wheels. I've been down on him as a babyface. Uh, I mean, I have nothing but commendations to say about this performance on this Monday Night Raw. That the guy absolutely blew my mind. He was he did a great job working both matches. Uh, there's a reason he is called CrossFit Jesus. Yeah, because he was in the back giving an interview afterwards, and he barely looked like he was sweating or yeah. out of breath. He probably could have kept going for another hour. He probably could have. Yeah. It, it was absolutely unbelievable. But you know, Cena was interviewed backstage uh, once Seth was still fighting Elias. And Cena was covered in sweat and kind of panting a little bit. And this is an interesting thing I want to point out, speaking of Cena, was the way he was working in the match, he was being a little bit dick. I'm not going to go so far as say heel, but he was definitely being a bit of a dick. You know what I mean? He's getting the ref to try and count Seth out. He was, you know, telling the ref to do things. And then when he got to the back in the interview, when was the last time you heard John Cena make excuses for his performance? Oh, uh, you know, I got a lot of things on my mind. Um, as everyone knows, I've been off doing other stuff. So, you know, my, I wasn't really focused on this match. Really, John? Uh, that's, that, is, that is definitely something that, that stuck out to me as what they're trying to do, maybe shift John's character in some way now that he is a part-timer. Uh, so having Roland, Rollins go over him and then have him give that kind of a a speech backstage was very interesting. Now I'm going to go get myself prepared for Sunday. I think was his way, line as he walked off yeah. set. But yeah, this to me, I think we're going to talk about our picks a little bit later. But man, I got to, I really had to step back and reassess yeah. what it means for WWE to put Seth over both Reigns and Cena in this match. And I mean, continuing on throughout the match, there were some other good spots 
as we ultimately went through Elias leading to what was Finn, the Miz? Finn Balor, oh, Finn, Finn Balor. Balor, and then uh, you had Finn Balor and the Miz, and then the Miz and Braun Strowman. Uh, yeah, so this we'll, we'll talk about the rest of the match in a second. I will quickly say that I definitely have some thoughts on Seth Rollins in this match and what it means for Elimination Chamber. But yes, we will hold that off till the end of the segment when we give our picks for Elimination Chamber. But let's go through the rest of the match. Yeah, Finn Balor was mostly or Elias basically eliminated Seth. Finn Balor was mostly forgettable. Uh, getting to the Miz, I thought that exchange between the Miz and Finn Balor was notable. Uh, I saw some things in there that could go, hmm, Finn Balor Intercontinental Championship run. I think that would be the smartest place to put him. I could see that yeah. uh, post-Mania. I could see something like that. I could like see that. it even going up to Mania post-Elimination sure. post, uh, sure. post Chamber. But it, it, you know, really quickly, you said the Finn Balor-Elias stuff was forgettable. And I would agree. And it's too bad because this is something I want to call back to when we talk about 205 Live later. Interestingly, something you don't hear often on this show or any show. Uh, is here's the thing. This was kind of classic getting a heel heat, put the baby face down and lock him up and work on a, on one limb, but it was so long and so drawn out and just so aggravating that it went beyond just, you know, the heel heat, like, Oh, he's keeping him down to just being kind of dull. Yeah. And I mean, Finn did his best job selling it. And Elias had some, had some good stuff as well, but it just wasn't after what we had just seen with Seth Rollins. The kind of baby face fire he presented us with this guy overcoming these these odds and, and lasting that long. It was such a letdown. It definitely let the air out of the building. And I have a feeling that was the intention. But the problem was it let out too much air and it didn't make either guy look good. Yes. In this section, Elias is a guy who is hot. He needs to keep looking good. Finn's a guy who I would say could easily go either way right now where he could start to fall off and has been because the way they've been booking him, uh, or he could just shoot to the, the stratosphere if they book him right right now. But this is not a good look no, at all. Uh, luckily, they did protect him a little bit. Miz used the Miz Taraj to eliminate him. So they did protect him a little bit on his exit, but it was still, a, that was the worst segment of this match. And the best part of it uh, was the reaction of the Miz was he was celebrating, and all of a sudden you hear the roar of Braun Strowman escaped from the Tron and just you could see his face and he just closed his eyes and went oh god oh what have I done oh no <laughs> who who booked this who's I mean in kayfabe I'm talking who sure. bo- who booked this so that whoever went through this whole gauntlet had to face Braun Strowman last you like, what sadistic kind of, bastards you sadistic. <laughs> oh my god uh, but no, this and that, of course, obviously, once Braun came out, it was uh, it was pretty quickly over. Uh, he was basically murdered the Miz uh, and well, stood tall in, and in then, record time. As Seth set a record earlier, I believe the number of running power slams delivered record was broken again uh, by Braun Strowman it at was, the end of this match. It was nice to see that the audience was back on the on his page at like, yeah, get him again. Do yeah. it again. Yeah, and uh, and Braun pulled out all of his catchphrases about not being finished with so and so called Brock Lesnar beastie boy and. Uh, <laughs> Uh, yeah, so that definitely uh, put himself back in the universal title talk with uh, still you know eye on the prize with Brock Lesnar. Um, that was one thing, I, just real quick, uh, before we move on, that was one thing I thought that this match could have used more of is really defining how everybody wanted to win the Elimination Chamber match and what their ultimate goal was. I didn't feel like with Finn, I think that the thing that they missed with him was giving us he he would mention it in his promos like I never lost the Universal Championship. It is mine. I deserve it. 
But because they're now, I, I, I can't imagine this was his decision to be smiling this much. It feels like he was told, go out there and smile a lot. But when he does that, it makes him feel like he's nonchalant and doesn't really give a crap, as opposed to being legitimately pissed that he hasn't had a shot at the Universal Championship since it was taken from him, since he gave it up. So I think having that kind of fire in him wasn't there. And then uh, and, and it took away from his performance. And the same with Elias, who really was just kind of there. Yeah. Uh, I wasn't too worried about The Miz because obviously the way that they're sh- booking him, he's just doing this for shits and giggles and to prove that he's so awesome. But everyone else had that, you know, that real gritty, I want to get this thing. Even Braun, even Braun Strowman pointed it out. And I think that was, that was, I think, the thing that really killed Finn the most for me. Hmm. Well, I wish this had been in reverse, if I'm being honest. I wish they had done everything else that we're getting ready to talk about at the top of the show and then left the gauntlet match for the end. And I think it was just a ratings thing. Sure, I get that. From a business standpoint, I get it. Because, I mean, the rest of the show was just kind of there. Yeah, it felt like the Royal Rumble this year where you had the Rumble match and then we had to have other matches after it. It was just like, (gasps) what? There's more? There's more? (laughs) Yeah, and, and it wasn't like the rest of the show really had anything... That exciting on it. The most exciting thing was the women's three-on-three tag match where you had Bailey, Sasha Banks, and Mickey James taking on uh, Alexa Bliss and and uh, two out of three of two Absolution. Two out of three of Absolution but with Paige, Paige outside. Yeah. That was interesting that well, she's still nice, there. Well, nice to see Paige yeah. doing something, yeah. at least. But uh, yeah, this this felt like such a letdown after the gauntlet match. This was hard to pick up on because there was so much steam coming, full steam ahead coming out of that match. And with Braun having that big exit that he did, like I said before, it was just kind of meh. But the three-on-three was interesting because you had a dynamic going between Absolution or the two members of Absolution, Mandy Rose and Sonya Deville, and standing next to Alexa Bliss. And they aren't exactly friends. So you have them on a three-way team against three people that, frankly, on their side... Sasha and Bailey are kind of against each other. So I was I was I had hopes for this match. A little bit of tension building between Sasha and Bailey, sure. we should say. And I honestly really hope that's building to some sort of undercard WrestleMania match because man, I, I can always watch those two wrestle. But yeah, th- this was basically a match telling us the story of who the teams are gonna be inside the Elimination Chamber. Obviously, Absolution, they will be on the same page. Uh, Alexa Bliss will be pretty much out in the cold, although it seems after this match that she and Mickey James have forged some sort of uneasy alliance. And then also, of course, Bailey and Sasha have their own thing going on where there will be a team, but possibly their issues will come to the fore inside the structure. And, And the most interesting thing that happened for me was after this match ended was Mickey James and Alexa Bliss walking up the ramp exactly. arm in arm. Yep. Uh, and I was going, wait, what? Yep. Now they're on the same page. What basically. happened to the old lady and all of that stuff, Alexa? I mean, just is this an allies when you need it, when it's convenient kind of thing? Uh, apparently getting old gives you forgiveness, Nick. And <laughs> okay. no, I, 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 I think this is just their way of establishing that the women will have some sort of alliances in the cell and they're building the story for how they're going to book the match. That's all it told me. Uh, I do have one more question about this match before we move on. Okay. And that is. Who hired the SmackDown Live ref? The Wait. guy who missed the tag. Uh, uh, Mickey, <laughs> tagged, uh, Mickey tagged out to Sasha, and he just missed it and was over there telling Sasha to get out of the ring. Well, they've got so many refs that are good at missing spots over on SmackDown Live that they had one to spare, so I guess they sent it over to uh, Monday must, Night Raw. That must be it. Well, staying in the women's division, uh, we had our first 
dare I say, spoken pro- fully spoken promo by Asuka. Obviously prepared. After this. There were prepared questions from Renee Young, and Asuka had prepared answers that she kind of didn't memorize well enough, I guess, or still had still had issues with. I, I called it her first Shinsuke Nakamura promo. <laughs> In our okay. notes, uh, definitely not her best, her finest moment speaking English, but still, you know, it, it is what it is. I'm, I'm, I'm in this modern day and age of wrestling. I'm not going to get too down on superstars for whom English isn't their first language, and WWE is forcing them to say these very tough things that they wouldn't normally say. They're they're dealing with two issues at once. Yeah, you know, you got guys who are or and guys and girls who are fully capable of speaking English who can't cut some of these promos that they write for them. So it's hard to imagine they'll be able to do it. As, as a second language trying to get it over. So I, I really, I give them all kinds of leeway on that. I just want to see Oscar running around yelling at people cra- very crazily in Japanese and nobody is ready for Oscar. And I think that's enough. Yes, exactly. I don't need any of these kind of long winded no. explan- plot expositions of what's going to happen and all this. But I know, I know WWE likes to, they have certain things that they kind of require a superstar to be able to do for them to allow them to be a superstar on a certain level. Right. And one of those things, is to be able to give a certain type of promo that is very specifically WWE and they want you to be able to execute that kind of promo on a regular basis. Uh, I don't know why they're forcing this on everyone when it really, at the end of the day, isn't necessary. Asuka can get over without being able to expound on how she's going to beat Nia Jax at Elimination Chamber. Right. So, yeah, this this was... this was setting Oscar up to fail as far as I'm concerned. And what, you know, the results that happened are not entirely Oscar's fault. If no. at all. Oscar's no. Fault. And speaking of Nia Jax, Nia Jax comes in and basically bombs her from behind and tries and beats the and stands out. tall. Yeah. Something we'll call back to when we get to our picks in a second here. Yeah. Uh, another thing that we saw this week, that was not on the Hulu edition because it, I couldn't believe it happened. Titus worldwide picks up the win over the bar what in a roll up clean victory i was i mean can you really all of a sudden tell me that everyone else in the tag division is somehow relevant now i i, I don't understand this well come on ian we've been complaining for a year that it's only been about two teams yes so- and that's the problem is now that some of these other teams are coming along and after the bar has looked so dominant and been able to step into the ring and hold their own physically with the shield all of a sudden, now they're getting rolled up again. Now, remember, this is the first time that Titus Worldwide has beat them. They've beaten them a few times in the last few months. Not that wins and losses matter, but some of us have to keep track of this. Uh, so Titus Worldwide has had the bar's number for a while now, and to have them just do it again is wild. Where's the revival? Uh, Where are the good brothers? I have a feeling they will be on the pre-show. Uh, we'll get that match on the pre-show of, uh, of good old Elimination Chamber. Ah, this to me is just, it just reeks of, you know, whatever they did on the mix match challenge this week, we'll talk about that later, but that's fine. There's a place for that. I want a legit tag team division, and I'm not going to say that Titus Worldwide is not, but I don't think they are. Well, they haven't been built as that, and they've, they've had a couple of moments where they've made them look good. But overall, we haven't really been given a reason to believe that they're on the same level as the bar. And so to have this happen makes it makes the it's more about making the bar not look good than Titus Worldwide looking good at this point. You had to build them with other teams. The problem is they hadn't built enough other teams that felt legit. So they, they've kind of booked themselves into a corner on this one, I feel. And it's one of those things where they can if they continue and just keep 
letting this move. It will be fine eventually. We're grousing right now because it feels like it came out of nowhere. But this is this is the problem with the kind of booking they've had over the last six months. Well, I mean, it did come out of nowhere, and that was to do with Dean Ambrose and Jason Jordan both getting hurt, and we're going to have to deal with that. So I'll give them I'll give them a pass on you know tr- doing with what they have uh, for the time. Fair being, enough, yeah. Uh, because of those two massive superstars that uh, are sidelined with injury for the time being, but I, I got to complain a little bit about the revival and Carl, uh, Anderson and Gallows not being a part of this division in a bigger way than they are. Well, let's face it that a lot of people took a break this week because we had two hours of one match. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I have a feeling that we'll see because we, we, we've been building that feud uh, for a few weeks now. I have a feeling it'll be at the uh, at the at the pay-per-view on Sunday. We also only had like a video package promo between Bray and Matt. Yeah. Uh, uh, Matt Hardy this week. So, Again, they're they're trying to stuff a lot in the show, but most of the time was spent hyping the men's elimination match with a. I don't know how you hype a a, a match with an even bigger match. It was it was kind of weird to me. I wasn't mad at it because I was entertained. Sure, but at the same time, it was a it was bizarre. Ugh. It was bizarre land, Michael Cole. Well, hey, we got another promo for Ronda Rousey and her contract signing, as I do air quotes. That's going to happen at Elimination Chamber. Um, I have to say, uh, it, after what happened at Royal Rumble, uh, I did not like the way that she came out. And we both, I think, made that perfectly clear here on this show. Uh, but I will say, after watching that video package, I may have slept or forgotten a little bit on just what a badass Ronda Rousey actually is. Yeah. And people- her storied career that she's had. I'm... I'm skeptically optimistic that this is going to turn into a good thing pending her ability to do well on the mic. I, if there's one thing that WWE does flat out amazingly well, it is their video packages. Yes. Their video packages to hype things are incredible. Uh, the the video package they put together for Asuka's undefeated streak, I think, last week gave me chills. It was amazing. Uh, this video package for Ronda Rousey, I, I agree. I did not like... I liked that she came out at the Royal Rumble, I understood why they did that. I did not like how they executed it. I right. thought it was awkward. Uh, I, but I, at the end of the day, I understood it, and I'm excited that she's in the company. What they do with her has me nervous, uh, and I definitely am very curious to see what her plans or what their plans are for her at WrestleMania. But uh, that being said, this video package definitely reinforced my belief that she is an asset to the company, and if she can work on her confidence as far as being in front of all these people in this kind of setting, this kind of acting setting, if you will, as yeah. opposed to, you know, more of a shoot situation. I think that she will she will be a, a big, big, big star and a big asset to the company. Uh, and we'll see what happens Sunday at the pay-per-view with her signing session. Well, that's a great, great segue. Let's head over and do our picks for picks Elimination time. Chamber. Woohoo! All right, so as you just mentioned a little bit ago, we are going to have a tag team match on the pre-show. We're speculating. They have not officially released this on the card. A few of these matches I'm speculating will be on the show, but I'm pretty confident they will be unless things change last minute. And the first one of those will be the Good Brothers, the club versus the Revival. Who do you have for this one, sir? Uh, I don't. You literally just typed it in, so I, I have not even thought about this. I have to go with the track record of the, about the last month or two that they've been doing this kind of off-air feud, off-air matches, whatever. I I don't know. Coin flip. 
<laughs> you know, it, the the thing that I try to think of when we're doing these is what's the outcome and what's the long game. And I could see a long game with either one of these teams. They're kind of cut and paste in a sense. Uh, I'd like to see Anderson and Gallows get a push, if I'm being honest. And I'd love to see uh, them team up full-time as a faction with Finn Balor and be the club. Be at ringside for his matches and he at theirs. I, this separation and then you tease me with them and then you take it away. No, sell me on it. I want to see the Good Brothers have a push with Finn Balor at their side. So you're calling the Good Brothers? I'm calling the Good Brothers. Oh, that's, that works out well because I'm going to call the Revival because I think they are a team that deserves to be way higher on the card and they need a good, strong, legitimate win in front of a lot of eyes to put them there. It's kind of what we were just talking about with Titus Worldwide where if you delegitimize a team for too long, you can't suddenly tell us it's legitimate. Yeah. Uh, the Revival, I think, at this point, uh, the Good Brothers have definitely been on the negative side of the tag team booking for the last little while. Uh, and I think their association with Finn Balor definitely helps them, whereas the Revival need a good statement win at this point. So I'm calling for the Revival. Nice. Well, next up, we head over to the women's division to see if Asuka's streak can be broken by Nia Jax. I have one thing to say to this. <laughs> yeah. uh, no, Asuka's winning this. No chance. No chance, no chance in, in hell. Asuka. Agreed. Uh, next on the card, we are uh, again another speculative match, but I'm pretty sure it's happening. Matt Hardy versus Bray Wyatt. Uh, who do you have for this one, and do you even care? Uh, n- well, first, I'm going to pick Matt Hardy because I think everything they've built us up to believe is that Matt Hardy, broken Matt, sorry, <clears throat> woken Matt Hardy, there you go, needs to shut down sister abigail and bray wyatt and i think this might be the culmination of it so each of them can move on and do something else see because I, they need to and uh, they they do or they need to go deeper into the crazy world of broken slash woken matt hardy and i think one way to do that is to have bray go over him again and force matt to go back to his roots i.e go back to the dilapidated ship and go you know go back to the volcano and all the other crazy stuff he came up with back in tna and really draw us back into that world and use that world to finally overcome bray wyatt that i think would not only help the casual people the casual audience who doesn't know anything about this character and still hasn't been given a reason to care right. about this character uh, it would also make for a, a better conclusion when he finally does overcome Bray Wyatt. So I'm going to I'm going to say that the better winner here would be Bray, just to plan for the future. Got it. Well, we were just talking about Titus Worldwide in the bar, and uh, it looks like they're going to have a match. Uh, break this down. Who do you got? Uh, this was going to take me two seconds. I think the bar is going to win, retain their tag team champions uh, t- championships, and we'll have a whole new feud going towards WrestleMania. Huh. Okay. Uh, I actually think. No, I'm, I'm just kidding. The bar's winning. <laughs> exactly. Moving on, we've got the women's elimination chamber. So we have uh, six women in this. We have, uh, let's see if I can break this down for you. Alexa Bliss, Bailey, Sasha Banks, Mandy Rose, Sonia Deville, and Mickey James. Who do you have coming out of this holding the strap? This is for the women's championship, unlike the men's. This is for Alexa Bliss's championship. She is defending it in this match. Who do you think is going to win? I have trouble picturing any of these other women right now being legit women's championship champions on raw uh you could make a case for sasha banks absolutely i would rather see her go off and have another feud with bailey Uh, i don't know of any of them that have carried that women's belt better maybe charlotte 
than Alexa Bliss has over the last year or so. And I cannot, I'm having a lot of trouble finding a way to take the belt off of her. So I'm actually going to say that Alexa Bliss retains. I'm trying to remember exactly what the stat was, but it's something along the lines of if, if Alexa Bliss is on the brand, she has been the champion at every pay-per-view. Yep. Uh, so it's hard for me to believe that they're suddenly going to take it off of her this close to WrestleMania. Um, as you said, the only person I could see taking it off of her in this match would be Sasha in order to work up a Bailey feud with, with, with her. But then what do you do with Alexa Bliss? So I, I really honestly think, yeah, Alexa's retaining here, which is not the most exciting outcome, but hopefully it does build some uh, feuds elsewhere in the division. I, I just think that, again, they booked themselves into a bit of a corner here where there's not really a whole lot of exciting other possibilities. So I'm going to agree with you. I think Alexa's retaining. I want to see Alexa face Oscar uh, at WrestleMania. That's the other thing that this really comes down really? to. Yeah, I do. I want to see that match. Oh, all right. So moving over to the men's elimination chamber match, this might take a minute because there is some fantasy booking to do here. This is going to be an interesting Uh, one because this one, there are a lot of different conclusions that could happen. It's for a number one contendership for Brock Lesnar's universal championship at WrestleMania. uh, And we've got seven guys who you could make an argument for almost all of them. Uh, with the exception of Elias and The Miz, who I think don't have a chance in hell at being in that main event match. Agreed. But the other guys you could probably make a case for. Finn Balor, John Cena, Roman Reigns, Braun Strowman, and Seth Rollins. I, I mean, any one of those guys at this point, you could see them pulling the trigger on. Yep. I definitely have my bias. I'm just going to come out right now and say Roman Reigns is winning the sucker and going on to, to face Braun Strowman. That's been the plan for over a year. I don't see them changing it at this point. If they do, I will be shocked. I will be excited uh, and I, I will be flabbergasted. Uh, but I really I can't see it being anyone other than Roman Reigns. You know, I've been on this train for the better part of a year at this point that John Cena was going to win his record-breaking 17th championship at WrestleMania yeah, this year. Yeah, I, I actually would love to go back to our last few episodes where you were just were you so certain it was John Cena, yep. except for maybe Braun Strowman, but but no, John Cena. Yep, so certain, and you have you've been saying it for most of the time we've had this podcast. Yep, that you think Cena's getting his number 17 I against th- th- this WrestleMania. Do you still think that now? I think. It's not. Here's what I think. After the gauntlet match that we had on Monday, and I've had the week to think about this, I think that there is no way that we get a one-on-one match for the Universal Championship at WrestleMania. Really? I think we're going to end up in a triple threat, possibly even a fatal four-way by the time we get there. And I know this sounds crazy, and I, but look at the last year that we've had. Most of the championship matches have not been one-on-one singles matches. They have been crazy stipulations and groupings of multiple superstars. So I I could certainly see a path. I agree with you. The stats and the the universe and everything says that the stars are aligned for Roman Reigns to go beat Brock Lesnar to be the man. Yep. The guy. Yep. The big dog. Again, I've been on this train with Cena. Why not both? Why not a four-way with Braun Strowman in there? I'll tell you why, because you just said it. We've seen that so many times this year where Brock Lesnar is against multiple guys, and they always pitch it as, oh, this is just an easy way to get the title off of Brock is by putting a bunch of guys against him. Also, the last time Brock was in the main event, it was against Roman Reigns, and Seth had a run-in. So to have it be a full-on three-way, it's going to feel like a gimme. 
get the title off of Brock. Well, let me uh, finish what I was going to say for just a second ago after you added that perfectly. So here's the thing. I don't see a way that they can put any one of these four guys against Brock Lesnar one-on-one and legitimately have Brock Lesnar walk out of there with that title. Right, as opposed to if you put, I, I think at this point, if you put Roman Reigns, and they have been having Roman on a little bit of a losing streak, and there's a, there's a psychology behind I that. I understand that. Because people think, oh, maybe he can't pull it off, right? There's that subtle, that, that they're trying, It's I think it's pretty transparent, but they're trying to make you think, well, maybe Roman Reigns can't pull it off on the big stage. He's been on a losing streak, boo 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 I, if he wins this, when he wins the Elimination Chamber and goes on to WrestleMania, it's going to make him feel more vulnerable, which is something they have not been good at because they've been booked, booking him so strongly for most of the year. So it makes it makes it him seem a little bit more vulnerable going against Brock and adds a little bit more excitement to the match, which I think most people that really watch this consistently can say is going to be pretty predetermined. Well, I, th- I want to add a different perspective on Roman Reigns' losing streak. I think they might be trying to slow him down because who's been getting the opposite? Braun Strowman. So I am going to jump off of my John Cena car. I think Braun Strowman's going to win Elimination Chamber and face Brock Lesnar at WrestleMania for the Universal Championship because it would be the smartest thing they could ever do. That I will completely agree with. I think if, I mean, they did have a Braun Strowman versus Brock Lesnar match earlier in the year, which was a bit of a dud. And uh, they might want redemption for that. Everyone kind of scratched their head at the time and said, why are you doing this now? This is a WrestleMania match. What are you doing? I think the way that they've built Braun since then, to have him go in and take all of that steam that Brock has built up for the last three or four years, ever since it started with him taking the Undertaker's streak and just the, the role he's been on, the way they've been booking him ever since then as this unstoppable monster. Someone needs to take all of that heat and that energy from him and up until now, it's been Roman Reigns, and it's been the long plan. If at the last second they hot shot anybody, I agree, it would be Braun Strowman. I just can't see them taking this whole plan and turning the turning the rudder of the ship at this very, very late second. Uh, I, I look at it's not really worked out that well. It yeah. hasn't, but will will they see that, or is this one I thing think where they? I think they'll they have. see it. Look at the, everything they're doing with Braun lately. They'll see it through to the bitter goddamn conclusion at WrestleMania, and we'll get Braun doing something next WrestleMania. That's I what I think know. they're. Gonna I want to see Roman and Joe have a feud. I want to see Finn go after the Intercontinental. There's so many other things that uh, I, I wouldn't mind seeing Seth and Roman have a feud. Uh, yeah, you screwed over the Shield, blah blah blah, kind of thing. I I just don't any of those guys one on one against Brock Lesnar. Uh, aside from Braun Strowman, I'm not excited about. And no. I think that you could probably echo that through a majority of the universe. Sure. Well, we'll we will see on Sunday whose long-term prediction is right. Even you with your late hot shotting of your yeah. prediction, taking your year-long John Cena fixation and setting aside after finally seeing the light and going for something else because you just can't stomach the fact that Roman Reigns is on this railroad to WrestleMania. One more thing I want to talk about. Uh, we did talk about Ronda Rousey real quick. She is having a signing. Uh, quick plus or minus here, man. Do you think anyone's going to interfere? And if so, who? Oscar. Uh, you think Oscar will I get think, involved? Uh, Nia Jax could potentially get involved. Uh, I do think that there will be some... Uh, what do we call it? In the men's world, we call it peacocking. I think I don't know what the word is on the women's side, what they do, but I think do think there will be some women that come in and peahen. Yeah, peahen maybe. I don't know. Uh, but some kind of oh, you think you're something, huh? Oh, Miss UFC superstar kind of thing, and just trash talk, right? 
cluck at each other. So I, I don't I don't know that there will be any fighting or any hands getting thrown. No, I'm saying I'm saying we set up the WrestleMania event now. We find out like who's getting on Ronda's bad side now. Okay. And obviously she had some a little bit of, of stuff at the Royal Rumble with Asuka, with Charlotte, with Stephanie, who by the way is my pick. I say Stephanie is the one who got she and Rhonda uh, get into it in some fashion. Oh, hang on. Rewind a second. So is the signing that she's doing an elimination chamber for her WrestleMania no, match? No, it's, it's her raw contract. Okay. Cause, uh, you scared me there for a second because I would have said something completely different if that was for the WrestleMania. No, no, okay. it's, it's her raw contract. Yeah, I expect just the other superstars to show up and just... Okay, so you're saying you're saying to superstars, I'm saying Stephanie. Sure. All right, we'll take it. Well, that's our picks for elimination chamber. We will see come Sunday who is right and who is stupid? <laughs> Moving on, we are going to go have to talk about SmackDown Live. Well, speaking of trains that you jump off of, I think I'm jumping off the SmackDown Live train. You know, going back to the turn of the year, we were very high on this big, huge, long-winded storyline that they were developing. Man, that that is a, a derailment. Of epic proportions, the the train hit a bog. If you want to keep this going, this uh, on this metaphor, until <laughs> yeah. we've run it into the ground. Pardon the double pun. Uh, the the problem here is is that there's a reason their ratings are plummeting right now. The the word of the week this week is going to be the word again. Momentum? And, no, uh, okay. no. On SmackDown, it's again. There is no freaking momentum on SmackDown right now. And the problem is is that a lot of their storylines are based around certain people having quote-unquote momentum when we know momentum doesn't really matter in WWE. And so it doesn't, it doesn't make for an engaging storyline when the only thing you win or lose in a match is this ephemeral momentum thing. Yeah. It doesn't work. And so the, the problem is, is we're having these regurgitated storylines. We're having these poorly booked and repetitive feuds. Like we're, we're seeing the same things happen week in and week out and the characters aren't changing or evolving in any significant way. We're having these very slight minor steps and little wrinkles get thrown in, but nothing significant. Uh, we're having badly written promos. We're having people with no motivation to do things, doing things. We're having these stupid graphics pop up in the middle of promos to highlight certain words, which is just cringy at the best. Uh, they're not capitalizing on things that work. And again, I know it's easy to call me out and say, "Oh, you're a big Rusev fan. You know why are you why are you so harping on them about not using Rusev?" It's because it's bad business. People are chanting Rusev Day on every single program that we heard it this week on 205 Live. We mixed heard, match challenge, mixed match challenge. We heard Rusev Day chants. Like you have something this over and you keep him off TV for two weeks. What are you doing? Do you not want money and butts in seats? It, it is it is mind-boggling what they're doing on SmackDown right now. And I've defended this show for a long time, probably past when I should have defended it. I'm not defending it anymore. This was the week that broke me. And it's sad because we did have a couple of well-worked matches, and they've got the talent. They're just not handling everything else well at all. This reminds me of SmackDown post-backlash last year with the beginning of the Jinder Mahal thing where they were booking things just so incomprehensibly and terribly and not giving us good builds and not giving us good payoffs and not giving us good promos and not giving us good character motivations. We've, we've devolved it to the worst SmackDown was all year last year. We're back there again. Mm. 
Yeah, I would even throw out uh, Dolph and Shinsuke uh, as Dolph had his heel turn moment last oh, year. Oh, we can, we can just. There's a there's number a, of examples. There's yeah. a litany of examples. There was a time when the only good thing was the tag division. The tag division isn't good anymore. No. They've screwed that up as well. And I don't know who's responsible. I, you know, a lot of people want to point fingers at Road Dog because he's the head booker. But really, we don't know who's doing what backstage. We don't know if we can point the fence to the finger at Vince McMahon. We don't know who's responsible. But the problem is. There is a big problem here, and someone's got to come along and do something because you are wasting some of your best talent on some absolutely awful programs. Absolutely. I couldn't agree with that even more. Uh, It's it's a matter, and even we didn't need some of the stuff that made this long story feud so compelling. We're getting like 30 seconds of Shane and Daniel Bryan backstage. And it's, but it's the same thing we've already heard. I agree. And they're not doing anything enough different. We had a Shane and Daniel Bryan segment this week, and it was them not being on the same page. And I can't believe you booked this. Well, I can't believe you booked this. And the only thing slightly different was Daniel said something snarky on the way out this week. Like, you're the boss. You're the boss. You know what I mean? And it, I can't tell if that's anything. Still, it's been two months. What is what is going on with them? It's not interesting anymore. Now it's become irritating. Well, you did say there were a couple of really good worked matches. Uh, I agree with that. And let's talk about those. We had Kevin Owens facing off against Dolph Ziggler and AJ Styles facing Baron Corbin, which I was initially kind of down on, if I'm being honest. But let's talk about Kevin Owens and Ziggler. Um, these two guys are some of the best workers in the ring. They really yeah. are, and they put on a fantastic match. Yeah, a match that really had no stakes and no purpose other than, as I said, momentum. You know, you had the whole speech at the beginning of, of the whole show where AJ has put us into perspective that at Fastlane he's facing four other dudes, and he's in a tough situation as a champ, but he's going to handle it because he's a champ, Yep, and that's what he does. Uh, and then Baron Corbin came out, got in his face. Kevin Owens came out, got in both of their faces. Shane McMahon came out and booked a couple of matches for the night, and there we go. That's why we have these matches. Uh, and I'm still not sure what they're doing with Dolph Ziggler's entrance. They're still kind of giving him the record scratch, even though the whole point of a record scratch is to stop music that is currently going on, and there's no music going on before the record scratch. It's just a record scratch out of nowhere. He walks out in on, in the spotlights against a dark background, and then halfway down the ramp, his music just starts, and it's... That to me is kind of <laughs> that to me is like a microcosm of the show as a whole. Yeah. What you have all these disparate components that in and of themselves could work and tell you a story, but it's just not gelling. It doesn't you're like what are you doing with this? What's what it's what does it even mean anymore? Yeah. But at least the match was good. Taking a step back, as you said, Kevin Owens and Ziggler are fantastic workers. And they put on a hell of a match. Well, the whole point of this match, in my opinion, was to uh, solidify the, the the bro-ship between Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn because towards the end of the match, Sami Zayn, his music kicks as if he's going to come out and interfere and get in the ring and mess with Ziggler or potentially, I thought, he was going to get in and haluva kick Kevin Owens or we were going to finally see that turn right right and nope. or, or some sort of you know stuff maybe something where he costs kevin the match or something sure. like that no he just he comes out distracts dolph ziggler who takes a monstrous super kick to the back of the head from kevin owens that looked fantastic looked like a knockout kick dolph sold it like he was knocked out uh and kevin owens and sammy go to the back looking like bros again and this was the most compelling part of the show is when they get to the back sammy all of a sudden becomes a lot more. He's not the same kind of like humble Sammy. He has, he has been now all of a sudden he's, he's the one telling Kevin how it's going to be. 
He's like, look, Kevin, I'm not your guardian angel anymore. I'm your bro. And this is what's going to happen is that fast lane. We're going to take care of everybody else. And then I'm going to lay down for you. And you are going to become the next universal champ or the next WWE champion, because that's the kind of friend I am to you, which of course, immediately everyone listening to it was like, that's a load of horseshit. What's going on here? Yeah. So that is the most interesting thing that happened on the show. The one thing in two hours, <laughs> the one thing that made me go, Ooh, Ooh, what's going to happen because yeah. of this dastardly devils. What are they up to next? Yeah. You know? Well, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't think it'll work out that way. I really don't think that'll happen, That he's going to lay down for him. Well, that it comes down to them or that, well, yeah. Okay, fine. I, I don't think he's laying down for him, but I, I definitely think that we'll see some sort of payoff to this, whatever's going on with Sami Zayn please. and Kevin Owens. Yeah, can we please, please let there be a payoff? Finally have a payoff <laughs> uh, to, in two weeks. We've got two more weeks till we might, might, might get a payoff. Uh, speaking of payoffs, I certainly thought the show paid off with the AJ and Corbin match. As you said, did not have high hopes for this, but God damn it, AJ, what is it about you that brings out the best in everyone you face? My I, God, that guy could wrestle a head of cabbage and put the head of cabbage over. I, I don't, I don't, I just, wow. This, this, and someone that's literally like almost twice his size in Baron Corbin. Yep. And here's another thing about this match. I, they are really pushing Baron Corbin. Like he is getting promo. Forget the graphics and how silly those are. They're really pushing him. And the commentary is really putting him over sure. as a dangerous threat to AJ Styles in the WWE. Which Championship. they needed to because they damaged him so much for the rest of the year with these Ziggler pushes, these stop start pushes where he'd get a push and then he'd do something, have him do something dumb or lose an opportunity or not, you know, cash in the money, in the bank briefcase and, and not complete it. Yeah. Not win the, the, the championship. Like, they have stopped started him all year, so they need to really quickly make us remember that this guy is a monster, and he can he can carry that out physically in the ring. It's just they need to you know give him the the foundation to put that across. It, it delivered in this match, yep. if I'm being honest. So all of the talk, all of the stuff, the guy can work, and I I take nothing away from him. Now I don't I don't I've seen him have some duds. And I'm wondering how much of this is on AJ Styles for elevating, as he does. But AJ does this amazing move where he gets thrown over the announce table by Baron Corbin, does some kind of weird somersault and jumps right back over, jumps up on the ring and delivers a, f a phenomenal forearm to Baron Corbin, beats him clean after taking a monstrous deep six. Which That is the, deep six looked fantastic. I think he took an extra two revolutions there. <laughs> that was more of like a 720 than a 360, right? Yeah, it was great. It was uh, great. And, and it's, it's, AJ has one of those things, and Brock Lesnar does this too, where he does these very subtle things that are so athletic that he does with such ease. You forget how athletic they are. As you said, Baron Corbin uh, threw him over the announce table, and he did a backwards roll over the announce table, hit the, the, the guardrail, and then casually leapt up onto the table and over it, back in, up to onto the ring apron, and then up onto the ring ropes for a, ph a phenomenal forearm. Have you ever tried to just, with one step, jump up onto a table? No, I, w I would have needed to eat a pizza and had a beer after being rolled over a table like that. Um, I, I, it's, it, I remember Brock Lesnar chasing down Seth Rollins back in the day, and he leapt the guardrail without yeah. even using his hands. And I'm like, no, no guy that size should be able to do that. Stop it. Th that was what this was with AJ, where I was like, how you what yeah. you just did. That's in, that is phenomenal. Yeah. Oh, well played, sir. Phenomenal. 
So AJ does go over Baron Corbin clean. However, Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn run out to the ring to I don't know what do they think's gonna happen. <laughs> They're trying to mess with everyone once they're down, but instead they take two end of days from Baron Corbin who gets back up and and wallops him and stands tall at the end of the show after AJ takes off out of the ring. So Baron Corbin stands tall at the end of the show. At the end of the day, this is AJ versus four dudes. Well said, by the way. Nice pun. Thank you. At the end of the day. At the end of the day. (laughs) Sorry. Go ahead. (sighs) Not phenomenal, Nick. Uh but this is a this is a helluva way to end the show with Duh. Baron. Uh, all right, well, popping back up into what I was going to say, the the thing is, is this is still going to be AJ versus these these other four guys, two of which he's had a, he's had a feud with for a while, and two other guys who came out of nowhere. And while you can explain it in kayfabe, uh, it still is. It's kind of a zigzag swerve, if you will. I'm still on I'm still on the puns. He's the still finishers. doing the move. I'm sorry. <laughs> Uh, it, it is still a bit of, it's, 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 it's weird. It's weird to have these other two guys who have been, I mean, Ziggler was out for weeks with whatever was going on, kayfabe or, or backstage or otherwise, who knows, but he's had a bizarre year. Baron Corbin has had a bizarre stop start year. And now all of a sudden you're telling us all of these guys are in the, it's, it's weird. And it, it's one of the things that's pulling away from this match is we're sitting here going, what, what, what? And this is our last pay-per-view before wrestlemania this is the one that's supposed to get us psyched about wrestlemania and i'm nervous as hell right now i'm over here yawning literally just hearing you describe what's going on oh i'm sorry nick am i boring you uh, no or uh, is the subject matter boring you no that so where this whole thing and as, as i think i've said last week or two is this whole thing went wrong with ziggler and corbin getting ex- inserted i think the dynamic between shane mcmahon daniel bryan aj styles and kevin and sammy was fine and i liked where that was Zigging and zagging. Right. right? I mean, instead, last time we had a two-on-one match, handicap match, why not have a three-way and have Kevin and Sammy finally, you know, get some... Like, I would have been fine with that. It's it's not too similar to the last time. We could have nitpicked that it was, but I think you could have built that to be compelling. This is just chaotic and weird. Yep. And it, it feels overstuffed. Well, it, it makes all of the other stuff that's happened that you've booked irrelevant because now you've got, you're putting over Baron Corbin and Ziggler as legit contenders that could potentially take it so uh, I, I don't know what's going on let's yeah. move on before we get more frustrated over this stupid well that's not going to help because we're going to go over and talk about the women's division uh, where we had a women's three-on-three tag match wait that sounds awfully similar doesn't it oh right we did the same thing on raw we also had a women's three-on-three on smackdown too and it was just about as meaningful uh the riot squad versus charlotte uh naomi and becky lynch I think the only real real takeaway from this is this was the best the Riot Squad has looked since they came to SmackDown. They looked like a cohesive unit. They looked like some scrappy chicks who could... They were not monsters by any stretch. They definitely looked like sure. they were outclassed, but that they were able to pull off the win by just grit and determination. Like They were they were uh, able to to force their way through uh, by by just being mean little, mean little so-and-sos. So and 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 also I thought it was interesting that uh, Ruby Riot got the clean pin on Becky Lynch. So I don't know if that's SmackDown being down on Becky Lynch some more, or if we got a, a, a program coming up here, or what it is. But uh, that was certainly interesting, and it made me made me scratch my head a bit. Are we really going to have Charlotte with Ruby Riot for the women's championship on SmackDown at some at point? Fastlane? At it's Fastlane. been booked. It's Has it been booked? It's, it's officially, officially booked. Charlotte oh. versus Ruby Riot at Fastlane. Yep, Too that's happening. Soon. 
That's anyway. A, I, well, I just don't know if that feels like this. They've done a terrible job of building Ruby, so it doesn't feel like a pay-per-view quality match no. at all. And it's going to be even more god-awful because they don't really have any other women's feud going on right now. If you've got Naomi and Becky ringside and then the rest of the Riot Squad ringside, it's going to feel like a SmackDown match at yep. a pay-per-view. Yep. That's terrible. And while I was watching this, I thought it couldn't get much worse on SmackDown. But next, we had Bobby Roode come out with Jinder Mahal and eventually Randy Orton. Oh. And this... This is where the anchor hit the bottom for me, man. I got to be honest with you. Two guys that we spent the entire year in 2017 just down on, just beating each other up over. I was actually trying to defend Jinder because I didn't think like it was all his fault, but he's definitely been in some of the worst uh, parts of the SmackDown show this year. I mean, and, Jinder and Randy again. Oh, man. But, we, no, but here's the thing. It wasn't Jinder and Randy. It was Jinder coming out and trying to create tension between Bobby Roode and Randy Orton by saying that he had found Bobby Roode's ballot, which was very poorly put across. He had found Bobby Roode's ballot when everyone had quote unquote voted on this top 10 list, the stupid, stupid top 10 list that SmackDown has. And so the Bobby Roode's personal top 10 list had Bobby Roode at number one and Randy Orton wasn't anywhere on there. So obviously Bobby Roode doesn't respect Randy Orton and Bobby Roode comes out and goes, what the hell are you talking about? Which was, you know, I was like, yeah, that's exactly what I'm thinking. What are you talking about? Right. <laughs> what is going on here? How is this the basis for a freaking feud? And of course, at a certain point, Randy Orton comes out and is like, I don't know what's going on here either. This is dumb. And they get into a bit of a, a kerfuffle. And that's when we have our backstage segment where uh, Daniel Bryan and Shane argue over what the match should be at Fastlane. And Shane puts his foot down and says, no, it's going to be Randy Orton and Bobby Roode. Okay, I, I'm into a Randy Orton-Bobby Roode match. They're both good workers, and I think if properly motivated, Randy can give us good matches. It could be exciting. Why is Jinder involved in this, and why is the top 10 list involved in this? What are You gave Rusev, again, I'm going to harp on this. You gave Rusev the most over guy on SmackDown, bar none, except for possibly AJ Styles. You gave him one shot. At the universal at the at the U.S. title on a SmackDown weekly show, and he has disappeared. And then now the feud that you have going into Fastlane is Randy Orton versus Bobby Roode with Jinder Mahal playing high school uh, pot stirrer on the side. Are you kidding me? Really? I mean, I, I, I didn't want to spend all the SmackDown bitching and moaning, but but here we are. Yeah, here we are. Oh, we're not done yet either. Oh, and this is the, this is this is the problem is. The, the reason we're bitching and moaning is not necessarily just because things are bad. It's because things are bad without any reason to be so bad. Right. The, if, the, if it was on the nose, kind of bad as a player in kayfabe or something like that, I can ride that train. But it, this is just bad. This is bad, bad, bad. But it's uncomfortably bad when you can see things they could be doing better. Totally. And then they're right in front of them. And they're not... They're not doing it. It's fine if you've always eaten shit sandwiches. And when you're served a shit sandwich, you're like, oh, girl, cool, another shit sandwich. I, I've seen them do better. We have seen them do amazing stuff. And this, there's no excuse for it. There honestly isn't. Speaking of shit sandwiches, let's talk about the tag division. Uh, we had another match between New Day and American Alpha 2.0, of course, as, as we always say. We, it's a joke and title for him because they still haven't given a name to the team of Chad Gable and Shelton. Shelton. 
Benjamin. Benjamin. Uh, but Where are the Usos? Where have they been? The Usos are, are backstage waiting for someone to challenge them, being all hard and standing in mist with their new gold teeth and, and their sweaty bodies. And their graphics. And their, and their, their newly toned abs, which they never used to have. <laughs> uh, but no, this is... Uh, so we had this match again. New Day wins. I can't say clean because Kofi distracted the ref. Once again, the ref screws up and screws American Alpha out of a win, which is a, a weird, consistent thing to have and not take advantage of. I, maybe they will, but why not have that be a story point at this point? Because it's happened so many freaking times. Um, once again, Chad Gable looking freaking amazing in this match, doing all of the heavy lifting, literally. Uh, gut wrench suplexes. How he do does you, it just absurd? I, I can't imagine being able to manhandle a guy the size of Big E when you're the size of Chad Gable. No, that's it's freakish. That's that was the best thing about this whole segment. New Day somehow still getting away with heel tactics and remaining face. Not sure how. Uh, and then they're given a title match against the Usos at Fastlane. <laughs> Randomly, this is where I kind of went. What? What? Uh, so we're getting this. I, I ain't mad at it, but I'm mad that we're not getting Shelton Benjamin and, and Chad Gable. But it's weird that once again, the New Day will be facing the Usos in what was one of the feuds of the year last year, if of not course. the feud of the year, with no build, really, uh, and no real reason for it to come back around. I didn't know this was a number one contendership match this week. What, I didn't the, what the hell? Um, where does American Alpha go right now? And then, of course, as New Day is leaving, the Bludgeon Brothers come out. And uh, start to eyeball them before getting back focused and going in the ring and killing some more jobbers. Again, the word of the week. Again. So, I don't know when we're pulling the trigger on Bludgeon Brothers. If that's going to be something we hold off till WrestleMania, which if you hold off to WrestleMania, why? Why? It's are you going to have a long ways away? I mean, are we going to have like a squash match on the Usos at the Re- WrestleMania when Bludgeon Brothers take the titles? And if so, why? Uh, why not? Why have New Day Usos again if the Usos are going to retain? Why? There's a, there's a lot of. I'm scratching my head. And where is the rest of the division? This this know. once brilliant division. Where's Mojo Raleigh, Zack Ryder? Where's Where's everyone else? Where's 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 Ty Dillinger? Where, what is going on? Rusev, Ty Dillinger, exactly. Usos. I, yeah, you, you the brought entire- out the. I, I, did they just give everybody a week off? All of the 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 headliners. And said AJ go carry the show with, uh, with Corbin because I, I don't know because I don't know where all of these storylines are going. And this is what we were saying at the top of our show this week when they're going to have the uh, the co branded pay per views. I mean, we're already having a bunch of these storylines get buried and talent not be on TV. When you have even fewer plot lines, you have to get ready for a pay per view. What's going to happen then? And I don't know if SmackDown Line is going to be able to pull itself out of this hole in time for Fastlane or even for WrestleMania or what's going to happen in the new year, but. That's where we're at on SmackDown well, we Live. Got four more weeks till Fastlane to, uh, to rescue this somehow. No, you've got two weeks. Huh? Two weeks, March eleventh, three eleven. Gonna be a good day for me. I don't know if it's gonna be a good day for SmackDown. Let's move right on over and talk about some newsworthy notes. Well, starting off in NXT, we've got to talk about the match at the top with Velveteen Dream coming out and getting. Uh, that guy might be contending for one of the most over guys in WWE right now. It's him and Aleister Black as far as NXT is concerned. I mean, Johnny Gargano gets great responses, but man, people are frothing at the mouth for Aleister Black and 
Velveteen Dream. D R E A M Dream. Oh, he had a man. match against No Way Jose that was that was pitched and, and teased to us last week. Man. I, no, poor know. No Way Jose. Remember when he was super over and everyone was doing the conga in the yeah. audience? And now he comes out and everyone's like, well, this is a problem. They brought him out against Velveteen Dream and no one gave a shit about him. Yeah. Everyone was like, we love you, Dream. Ah. His entrance took longer than the match. Uh, <laughs> he got a little bit of offense in. I was kind of surprised how, how much he controlled the match. And then Velveteen pulled out the uh, Velveteen Rainmaker. What is he calling it? The Purple, Purple Rainmaker. Rainmaker. Yep. That's so funny to me. Man, that's funny. <laughs> If Prince meets uh, Kazuchika Okada. I All love right. it. But uh, yeah, that, that a great uh, elbow drop he has to, to win the match. And then afterwards, preens around, calls out everybody, mentions Tyler Bate again. Apparently, we are going to get a feud between Velveteen and Tyler Bate, which I think should be interesting going forward. We also had an announcement from William Regal. Starting next week, we are having an all-new Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Classic Tournament yes. to end on WrestleMania weekend in New Orleans the winner of the tournament to face your current champions in Undisputed Era. Uh, all yes. in. Yes. All in. It's Bring be, all the tag teams. So he mentioned four teams right off the bat, Authors of Pain, TM61, Heavy Machinery, and uh, Street Profits. So I have a feeling, just based on that, we're going to have them have matches against some lesser tag teams, and those are going to be uh, your final four going into the last couple of brackets. Uh, of those, who do you think is going to be in the finals? Who do you think is going to go on? to uh, take over New Orleans. I'm, I'm going to, before you answer... But you, you, why you ask me the question then? Just say it. <laughs> before I answer... Because I was... <gasps> but before I answer, why do you think Heavy Machinery will, will be going to... Oh, come to, on. To, ...to take over New Orleans? Uh, I do think it will actually come down to Street Profits and Heavy Machinery. Street Profits, yes. really? Uh, I don't know which of those two... Don't ask me now. It's a couple of months away, so I don't really know. I need to see. I haven't read ahead like you and other oh, people I'm, do. I'm, this is it. This is all I know. This, um, uh, this week, now I'm completely in the dark as well. Oh, okay. So, I, yeah, I can easily see it be those two teams being the final two. Um, which one goes over the other? I have no idea. They're kind of on the same page as far as... I think AOP is kind of... They need to move on. They need, they're cool. They're big. They need to be on the main roster. It's silly for them to still be in NXT at this point. I have a feeling that one of the first, uh, probably in the second round, I would imagine AOP faces heavy machinery and they put over heavy machinery on their way out. Yep. Would be my guess to give heavy machinery some uh, momentum. Ah. Uh, but okay. uh, I think this is going to be a redemption story for TM61, personally. Oh. I think this is going to be TM61 uh, versus Undisputed Era at TakeOver. I think they did a big job of pushing them. Uh, I think Street Profits will go deep as well, but uh, I think it's going to be TM61 going to uh, to that title match. We shall at see. Takeover. We shall see. Next up, we had, uh, you know, I don't know, you call it a glorified remember her match with Nikki Cross. That's what I called it in the notes, yes. Facing off uh, Vanessa Bourne. Vanessa, at- Vanessa Bourne, who is getting better, but still really shouldn't be featured in a wrestling ring. Uh, but but she did get squashed by Nikki Cross, so we had that going for her. But uh, yeah, this was basically just a little breather match before we got to our main event. Andrade Cien Almas, the champion, versus the challenger, Johnny Gargano in their fourth encounter, I believe. Fourth, yeah. And it was a career match. It was a career match. Johnny Gargano's career was on the line. If he loses, he leaves NXT. Wow, heavy. Uh, And unsurprisingly, once again, uh, this wasn't a five-star match like their last match that they had, but damn if it wasn't a really, really, really good match. Again, these guys are freaks in the ring together. Yeah. Such good chemistry. 
Uh, definitely worth a watch, if for nothing else than to see the finish of the match, which, by the way, was the finish that we called for the last takeover. This was the finish we thought was going to happen, where Johnny Gargano gets uh, Andrade into the submission hold. Gargano to escape. Should, the, gar, the Gargano escape. Huh? It's, uh, it's such a bad pun. Uh, but he gets him into the submission hold, and who should pop up but that bald bastard. That son of a bitch. That dirty rat. Champa pops up with his damn crutch and smacks it across Johnny's back, costing him the match. Almost gets the win. Johnny Gargano is kicked out of NXT. No. And, and he leaves with his with 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 with, with like all downtrodden, doesn't say a word. Candice LeRae is crying as he's led away. And the last shot of this week's show is that bald bastard. You son of a bitch! Ciampa in the audience waving bye-bye. Oh, that was kind of creepy, if I'm being honest. Oh, he's got oh, he's got that psycho killer look down. Yeah. There's a reason that's his nickname. You know, and I love what he's done with a huge beard. He's going for the black heart thing on Twitter after this. He's trolling everybody by uh uh, he put he tweeted out a little picture that said na 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 hey hey goodbye yeah and underneath he says uh, had a song stuck in my head all day it really warms my heart don't know why <laughs> you son of a God, you uh such a black hearted bastard just God. good heel stuff Gargano is out what what happens now where is is he going to get called up to a five live what to a five live they're in the middle of a tournament we'll talk about that next there's no room for him there until after wrestlemania which might work maybe but... he wants a couple months off after those two matches he just had <laughs> that you know you might not be wrong uh, but uh, and he's definitely been working hard at NXT for the like on TV for the last few months that being said yeah this was this was a crazy development. I, I, I did know about this a couple of weeks ago when I read ahead and wa- I read about the tapings. I knew this was going to happen, and I was bursting because I was like, what? They did what? They Johnny's gone? Oh, my God. I was waiting for Regal's music to kick, actually, and for him to come out and go, nope, Ciampa got involved. You're not fired. You're not, the stipulation yeah, doesn't nope. stand. None of that. None of that None happened. Of that. And it's funny because we were saying last year, like, the, the, the feud of the year is going to be Gargano Ciampa. We've been waiting for this. And We've they, been calling it since Brooklyn last year. And this year. is brilliant, brilliant booking to make us go, no, how can they have a feud now? He got Johnny fired. Son of a bitch. I can remember going back to SummerSlam and TakeOver Brooklyn and, and the whole, all of that stuff happening and saying, it's going to be about March when Ciampa gets back. Yep. And here we are. Here we we're are. finally getting it. This well, is no, what we've been waiting for. Well, <laughs> we don't know. But yes, well, you know, to talk more about this, let's go over and talk about 205 Live because that might be where Johnny ends up. And it might time out right because right now in 205 Live, as we've talked about, they are having a tournament, a, a cruiserweight tournament to determine who will be the new cruiserweight champion. That match will take place at WrestleMania. But in the meantime, we finally have the brackets for the whole thing. They're finally showing us what the bracketology is. Uh, and it's possible. Just I mean, in time WrestleMania, for March Madness, too, by the way. <laughs> which is, yeah, you know, I, I love my bracketology as well, my friend. But uh, yeah, Johnny could be out for a month and then come back to 205 Live after WrestleMania. And that feud could spill over into 205 Live somehow. That could be really fun. Here's the thing. If you're listening to us and you're not watching 205 Live because you just, you're like, there's nothing there for me, you're wrong. Triple H has taken over and I cannot express on this show what a quick and sharp turnaround this show has made in terms of quality and in terms of watchability. 
This is incredible. It feels like the Cruiserweight Classic all over again, just with bigger production and a less live audience because they still yeah. don't know what they're getting. Right. Uh, this week, we had two more contests in the uh, in the tournament. The last two. Or the, the last, last two, two of the first, first round. That's correct. Uh, we had Mustafa Ali versus Jack Gallagher, which uh, I, I got here today to, uh, to the, the good old Orbital Jigsaw Arena, and the first thing you asked me was, did you see Mustafa Ali versus Jack Gallagher? Did you <laughs> did you see that? Oh, I saw some highlights. Yeah, and uh, we sat right the hell down no, no, and no, watched we're, it. We're watching, we're watching this it match. right now. Sit down. Sit down. <laughs> so uh, good. Holy smokes. Uh, and, you know, you've got here in the notes, was this the right winner? I don't think so. I, I know you're high on Mustafa Ali, but if you watch that match, short of the underdog run back moments towards the end and the 0-5-4 that he nails, uh, that was Gallagher's match. He dominated Mustafa Ali that entire match. Well, and that's just a, that's just classic heel booking. And I, but I get it. But I've I've been high on Jack Gallagher since the first CWC, which is the first time I ever saw him. I had never known him from the Indies. I, I think he's got a great style. I think he's incredibly talented. Um, you know, I think only his genetics keep him from being an international superstar sure. because he is buck sixty three or whatever it is, and he's he's tiny. But God, he can wrestle. God, he can wrestle. And this match was a great example of that. He can do any style, pretty much. I mean, the only thing that Mustafa has on him is the aerial stuff. And also the fact that Mustafa is another one of those guys, like we just said about AJ Styles, who is just effortlessly athletic. He does stuff that I, I, when I watch it, it's easy to just overlook the difficulty of what he's doing is. Like when he ta- like in this match, when he takes a, uh, um, a spot to the turnbuckle, yeah. to, the, to, the, to the ring post, he goes through and hits his shoulder and ends up flying outside the ring because he kicks his feet through the ropes at the perfect time without to be able to do that that cleanly and make it look that smooth. That's incredible. Yeah. And some of the bumps he took in this match, so effortless, like they looked <laughs> like he was dead. Off the top rope, into the barricade. No, no At floor first. in between. Yeah. He just went straight into the barricade. Bam. Yeah. I, I, I stood up and went, oh my God. Yeah. Because uh, I thought that was a legit botch that somebody was going to get hurt. I, I, when I saw that, I was scared. Yep. I felt that dread that I felt when that, Owen the, fell. That adrenaline. Oh, Jesus Christ. I hope that not kind of, that. Like, I thought well, the way he hit his head and the way that he went down. Like I mean, it's that, not 70 feet into a, I understand, a, a turnbuckle. But I mean, but, you hit your head the right way. It doesn't matter how high up right, you fair are. Fair enough. So when I see stuff like that, I go, oh, God. So that's what scares me about the high flyer stuff. It scares me about New Japan sometimes, to be being well, honest. the headbutts over there. Yeah. But no, so this was, a, this was a great match. Definitely worth a watch. And also, the first match of the show, which was Arya Davari versus the the debuting Buddy Murphy, yes. was another great match. Alexa Bliss's fiancé or boyfriend, uh, if, if for those... They've been together know. four years. I don't know. Yeah, if they like they like putting over the fact that that it's it's a weird situation where he you know, they got together when she was kind of the valet slash manager for him uh, down when he was in a tag when he was a tag champions. Yeah, tag uh, champions with, in NXT. Yeah, yeah, uh, with Blake Wesley Blake yes. uh, when they were tag champs. I called used to call them the dubstep cowboys yeah. uh, or whatever the heck they were. But uh, yeah, so they, you know they've been together for a while, but he vanished off the map. And she became multi-time women's champion. And we were like, where the hell did Buddy Murphy go? Well, apparently he was off somewhere cutting weight and getting down to 204.4 so he could show up on 205 Live and look like a million bucks. Yeah. Because he did. He looked fan-freaking-tastic. Uh, I thought so, too. What were some of your favorite parts? I mean, just the fact that, you know, well, his new finisher was what, what everyone was talking about. Uh, this It looked like a, uh, a fisherman's hook spinning death valley driver it's it's actually it's an it's a, a an old shuji kondo move uh called a whale hook 
Uh, huh. And it's it's just a beautiful move. It's, it's one you never really see, and it looked fantastic. He pulled it off well. He looked great, and uh, I'm looking forward to the to the what's coming up on 205 Live. We've got the bracketology now. Uh, we've got Cedric Alexander versus TJP coming up. Roderick Strong versus Kalisto. Mark Andrews versus Drew Gulak, and Buddy Murphy versus Mustafa Ali. That is the final eight heading towards WrestleMania. And I gotta say. Uh, starting last week, I finally started watching 205 Live all the way through as part of my weekly wrestling entertainment. I had not really ever been invested in it previously. And, man, I finally realized why this week, and it was because there had never really been any stakes. Even in NXT, you've got a men's championship, a women's championship, and a tag team championship, whereas in the Cruiserweights, you've just got one belt. You've got one... Everybody's fighting for the one thing. So for this to now be this big championship where there are various sets of stakes throughout this bracket, man, I am all the way in on this on this tournament the same way I was with the Cruiserweight Classic last year. So I, I'm, I'm in love with, or two years ago, I'm sorry, excuse yep. me. Uh, I, I absolutely love this kind of stuff, and I I'm, I'm, can't wait to see what happens with the rest of the tournament. Agreed, I'm all in, and if you're not watching 205 Live, you're missing out. Something else I think is falling through a lot of people's cracks and, and not on the radar is the Mixed Match Challenge. We've said that we like it. Everyone's so much, all the superstars are so much more loose on this. They're having a lot of fun. Uh, all the little storylines they're putting together for themselves feel like a lot of fun. This week, uh, it was the, ugh, I hate saying it, the Robe Warriors. Uh, Bobby Roode and Charlotte Flair versus Nia Jax and Apollo not Cruz we can't call him Cruz anymore oh it's just Apollo oh okay they took away his last name it's only a matter of time before Buddy Murphy is known as Buddy by the way uh, so yeah, so Apollo now because uh, Scuttlebutt is that you know because the the shooter at the at the school in Florida's last name was Cruz that they, they don't want association with that or something I don't know weird anyway it's Apollo now just Apollo uh, and uh, Nia Jax uh, they had a bit of miscommunication Nia Jax not a fan of Titus Worldwide although she likes Apollo uh, but unfortunately uh, Apollo uh, sorry Titus Worldwide got involved too many times. Uh, Charlotte and Bobby end up picking up the win. Bobby takes out uh, Apollo with the glorious DDT. Yes. They pose in the ring. Bobby still can't do the woo, right? Although he can do the strut pretty good. Boo! (laughs) 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 And uh, there's a great little bit at the end where Nia Jax just reams out Titus O'Neil and Dana Brooke. And the whole thing's a lot of fun. If you're not watching it, I recommend it. Next week, we've got uh, Finn Balor and Sasha Banks versus Asuka and The Miz. I'm looking forward to that match. That could be good. Any predictions off the back of that one? I uh, well, I mean, the, it's pretty straightforward. Either Finn pins Miz or Oscar pins Sasha. Well, none of this is going to matter because Rusev and Lana are going to go on and win the whole thing. Yes, I just said it. What? You you you're forgetting that Braun Strowman and Alexa Bliss are in this. Doesn't still doesn't matter. Okay, fine. Then I'll I'll move on. So once again, I get to this part of the show, and I I want to talk about all the crazy thing going on with Powerbomb TV and Adam Lash and Michael Elgin, and there's just. Uh, there's so much to talk about in this whole story that it's I can't con- I can't condense it to two minutes. It's just this whole big gross thing where where Adam Lash didn't want Powerbomb TV to stream any of Michael Elgin's matches uh, from from IWA Mid South, uh, and he got into a whole kerfuffle with them. They ended up streaming a couple of them, and he went on a tirade on Twitter and got himself fired. Um, Who's he? Adam Lash got himself fired. He was one of the co-founders of Powerbomb TV. Oh, wow. Okay. And the company he started fired him for basically shitting on them in social media because they 
they went ahead and showed some matches that featured Michael Elgin. Michael Elgin, of course, as we mentioned on the show, being in a lot of trouble lately because he did a whole bunch of crappy shit over the last year and is finally coming to light kind of like a la Bill Cosby that he's just been a shithead his entire career, particularly to women. Uh, and so, I mean, I, I could go down that whole rabbit hole about how horrible Michael Elgin is as a human being, but uh, I don't have time to get into all of this this week. But the bottom line is, bottom line is Adam Lash out at Powerbomb TV because of politicking over Michael Elgin, his own unprofessional behavior. Uh, so whether or not you want to keep streaming your wrestling matches through Powerbomb TV, I would recommend going online, looking up some articles about this whole situation. Um, and if you want to continue to support IWA South, who continues to book Michael Elgin, it is Ian Rotten that books that place. And he's the reason why Kentucky has such stringent wrestling laws because he doesn't give a fuck about what happens in his matches. Wh- whatever. It's a whole huge thing. I've, I've given you the Reader's Digest version right here. So let's move on and talk about something much happier. And that is our very own Pro Wrestling Gorilla had its Neon Knights uh, show event very recently. And we have the results. And unfortunately, I was not fast enough to get tickets in the three minutes that they sold out. The two minutes and 48 seconds before <laughs> they sold out. And they have another pay-per-view coming up right after that called Time is a Flat Circle. I don't know if we'll be able to get tickets for that either. Well, I'm looking forward to watching the replay of this. Maybe we'll get the DVD and we can watch it together and then do a show about it, something fun like that. But do you want to run down the results real quick? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Adam Brooks defeated the... I don't know if he's debuting, but he definitely... One of his first times at PWG, Brody King. If you don't know who he is, he's he's a wrestler. He looks like a cross between CM Punk and Luke Harper. Uh, but I think he's going to... What? He's, what kind of Frankenstein's monster is that? <laughs> he's going to go a long way. Very talented dude. Very fun. Dalton Castle, the Ring of Honor champion himself, showed up and wow. defeated Joey Janela. I can't imagine Dalton would have lost. The Progress champion, Travis fucking Banks, was there. Uh, he defeated Flip Gordon, another Ring of Honor guy. A lot of Ring of Honor guys uh, in the show. Uh, and, of course, our boy... Bask in his glory. Yes. Heath Lee. Heath Lee. Defeated Matt Riddle and once again broke the damn ring. <laughs> Heath, damn it, dude. You got to stop breaking rings, man. Seriously. It's, it's hard to be a super heavyweight in a ring built for cruiserweights, uh, I guess. On, uh, and in our, on our main event, Chucky e. T, the current PWD cha- PWG champion, defeated Trent with a low blow. And then he, and he just left and ran out on him. Chucky, what? Chucky T turned heel. What? Chucky, the 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 unicorn, the white unicorn of PWG went heel. I I I don't know what it is, man. That championship just you get that championship and you turn into a bad guy. Oh, I don't know what's Ricky turned into a bad guy. He was a heel. Uh, he was a heel. He's our boy, though. I mean, he is our boy, right? Well, anyway, him and right. Marty Scroll. Maybe we just like heels. Maybe that's the problem. <laughs> that's a, I think you're speaking for a lot of people. That's the problem, man. They can't book true heels anymore because everyone loves the heels. Ugh. Thanks a lot, Stone Cold. Right. Uh, yeah, so and they all, we have the card for Time is a Flat Circle ready to go as well. Uh, looks like an absolutely amazing card. Matt Riddle versus Zack Sabre Jr. Oh. oh, my God. Can you imagine the submissions that are going to go on in that? An ex-MMA guy versus Zack Sabre Jr.? Good God. Uh, Will Ospreay. The IWGP junior heavyweight champion himself is coming over to face Adam Brooks. Our boy Jeff Cobb is facing off against Jonah Rock. Brody King comes back. He's facing off in a fatal four-way against Jake Atlas, Eli Everly, and Douglas James. 
Ray Horace, uh, who you might know as Dragon Azteca Jr. from Lucha Underground, is facing off against Joey Janela. That's going to be mind-bending. And then the main event for the PWD Championship, Uh-oh. Chucky T versus Keith Lee. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, we have to get tickets. Can we get tickets for this one? I, I'm going to try. Yeah. I don't, I, I'll do my best, man, but that's, shoot. It is not easy to get tickets for the hottest Hottest wrestling gig in town. Yeah. Hey, I've got a news flash for you. James Ellsworth had a match with Nick Aldis for the NWA title, and it broke half a million views. On YouTube? On YouTube. Oh, my God. Yeah, that's 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 big views. That's a lot of views. That's a lot of views, and I think they're doing a smart thing with the NWA title, giving it a lot more presence, giving a lot of uh, big names with it. James Ellsworth, obviously, the big hog, draws some big numbers. He'll put the butts in the seats. That turtle without a shell. But he... This was a, I saw this. This was a good match, man. They, they actually let him get in some real offense. Can you have you ever thought? I mean, not obviously not with WWE's booking of him, but have you ever imagined James Ellsworth pulling off a flatliner? No, because he does in this match. Huh? Yeah, huh. worth worth a watch. Be another one of the the half millions and millions of people who have watched this NWA title match. Um, we've also got a, a news flash from about five days ago. Uh, John Bravo currently in jail for. Uh, selling lots of sports figures, uh, some PEDs, says that he has finally retrieved the evidence that shows that Roman Reigns purchased PEDs from him and that he would release them in a few days. I should note, it has been a few days since he said this. So (laughs) whether or not he's just blowing smoke to keep his name in the news or what this is, we don't know. But there is the specter of possible PED uh, exposure hovering over Roman Reigns. If it does come out, conveniently before Elimination Chamber, that could change the outcome of that main event. Absolutely. Well, hey, also, Rich Swan is set to appear in an upcoming House of Hardcore event. Dude, he's got so many bookings. Like He, he just got released last week. He's already got three shows that I know, in, including this one for Tommy Dreamer at House of Hardcore. So, you know, say what you will about WWE releasing him. He is right back to work. That they didn't a, release him. They mutually parted ways. Let's, touche. Let's touche. Touche. Uh, in Ring of Honor news, uh, their, their owners, Sinclair Media, has filed FFC compliance in New York and Chicago. It means they're going to try and get on broadcast TV, cable TV. It's about time. Seriously, between this and their streaming service, which they're, uh, they're getting going, Ring of Honor looks like they're making a big push. And, uh, and they should. You know, Right now, Ring of Honor does have uh, a couple of big shows coming up. Uh, the day we're filming, right today is the 22nd that we're, we're uh, recording this on. Uh, we're going to have tomorrow on uh, the 23rd and 24th, Friday, Saturday is, uh, honor rising. It's a crossover between ring of honor and new Japan. And, uh, that will be, I theoretically on their streaming platform. If it's up and running already or when it is up and running, uh, they do cross over with new Japan a lot. I think if you're not in the U S and you have the new Japan app, it will show, uh, ring of honor, uh, pay-per-views on there, but uh, I remember, it, you can't watch it in the U.S. yet, although that's that's coming. So Ring of Honor making big moves. Well, Ian, uh, with all of that said, is there any other big shows that we need to uh, to highlight here before we get out of here? Uh, for the rest of the month, I, I, I missed uh, Wrestle Circus and Pro Wrestling Chaos's last shows. I do see that uh, we have an upcoming show from Progress at the end of the month. Chapter 64, Thunder Bastards are go. Uh, there's a couple other smaller indies I'm not aware of. Beyond Wrestling as a couple, Blitz Creek Pro, but nothing else major that I can see on the horizon for the rest of March. Well, there is something, well, not for March, but... 
for tomorrow or Saturday. For Saturday, yes. Lucha Underground is filming this weekend. Yeah, this whole the weekend. New Friday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday is their first weekend of filming. We are going to go to the Saturday day taping, and we will report back next week what we're allowed to report back. We'll see what, what kind of NDAs There's we have to sign. There's got to be an NDA before we walk in the door. Sure, it just it will be a matter of what they state in the NDA that we can and cannot talk about. Sure. Uh, but yeah, we would we will we will let you know what we think as much as we can next week. Yeah, absolutely. And then Sunday, we've got Elimination Chamber. It's a big weekend for wrestling, folks, as we kick things off, headed down the road, down the fast lane. We're not getting a roadblock this year, so... No, but you're going to get some backlash if you keep making these horrible puns oh, about the wrestling shows. Come on. Yeah, that's right. So uh, stay tuned. Next week, we will have our review of Elimination Chamber coming out early next week, plus our regularly scheduled show that goes over Raw, SmackDown, NXT, 205 Live, and whatever else we can get our grubby little paws on. Absolutely. Well, guys, that's it for this week. As we said at the top of the show, we would love to hang out with you guys. Head on over to Facebook and search for the Busted Wide Open Discussion Group. Links in the show notes of this podcast also come follow us on twitter at bwo podcast we're going to be doing some live tweeting during elimination chamber this weekend as well as the follow-up raw smackdown and other shows throughout the course of the week also if you want to support us and this show you can head over to orbitaljigsaw.com slash store pick up some sweet swag for you to rock for you and your friends uh, to support us and don't forget it go to itunes or your podcast app of choice hit like Share and subscribe to this podcast. Leave us a review. Give us five stars if you feel it's appropriate. Let us know what you think of the show, what you think works, what you think doesn't. We love constructive criticism, and we'd love to hear what you have to say. But I'm Nick Howell. You can find me on Twitter at Data Center Dude. And I'm Sir Ian Dangerous. You can find me on Twitter at Sir Ian Dangerous. But by God, somebody stop the damn match! This show is part of the Orbital Jigsaw Network. For more episodes, subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher Radio. For details and show notes from each episode, check us out, orbitaljigsaw.com.